Celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, something that we celebrate really every week here at New Hope, but today uh, we take special uh, joy in the realization that Christ is indeed risen from the dead and we are no longer in our sins, and we praise God for that. I want to direct your attention to your bulletins. I'm not going to go through all the announcements, as there are many, but just to highlight a few uh, things that are upcoming quickly. Um, first of all, just a reminder about the uh, family ministry. We'll be meeting next week. Uh, also, our men's small group is meeting on the second and fourth Saturdays of each month uh, from 7.30 to 9 o'clock in the fellowship hall. Uh, another study that is uh, uh, starting up this week is the Truth Project. If you have uh, questions, you can see Dave Mueller about that. Uh, and also, just a reminder, we are beginning our plans for Vacation Bible School. So uh, if you have questions about that, speak with Tim Perkins. He'll be able to answer anything there. Uh, coming up in two weeks is our, uh, on April 17th, is our spring cleaning. Uh, and we'll be doing some work around uh, the church uh, grounds to beautify things. And then also Marietta Day coming up on September, or excuse me, Saturday, May 8th. Um, and if you have questions about that, Tim Perkins also is the man to see. Uh, also, just a reminder that uh, each week you're invited to join us before the service at 9.15 in the Fellowship Hall for a time of prayer. Uh, obviously, we did not have that this morning due to the uh, Fellowship Breakfast, uh, but that is an ongoing event that you're encouraged to take part of that. And also coming up on uh, Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday, April 18th, at 6.30, uh, that's a Sunday evening, uh, we'll be meeting here in the uh, sanctuary to uh, have an ordination service for Mike Rohrer, and so you are encouraged to join with us as we celebrate this milestone in Michael's life and uh, also anticipate what God has for him uh, coming down the road. Uh, also, if you'd like to be a part of our church directory or you need to update information on that, you can see Allison Schmucker. Um, we're trying to keep that as up-to-date as possible, so please uh, speak with Allison. If you uh, are not in the bulletin and want to be, or you are in the bulletin and we need to change information, uh, but people do use that, and it's a great tool both for prayer and also uh, to stay in contact with one another. Uh, before we have our call to worship uh, this morning, I want to just... Uh, Recognize a few folks that have not been with us for a while due to quarantines and COVID and all that. Um, and it's just a real, real joy to see them. Uh, first of all, Jay and Doris Groff are here with us, and we praise God for that. Patsy Way is with us for the first time in several months. And Faye Lehman is glad to be back, and we're glad to have you, dear. Amen. Let's stand for our call to worship. It'll be from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 9. And just a couple of things to have in the front of your mind as we worship together this morning. Number one. The service is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture in between our singing time. Uh, you're encouraged to, once we conclude a song, you can have a seat because each section is several verses long as we reflect upon 
the events that took place on the day uh, that our Lord Jesus rose from the dead. And also we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper uh, following the sermon this morning. And we're going to be doing that a little bit differently than normal. Uh, and I'll give you more instructions as we get a little bit closer. But just so you can be aware, those who are able are going to be asked to actually come forward and you're going to get your, uh, your wafer and your cup together and then you'll go back to your rows and, um, and sit back in your seat until everyone has theirs. Uh, if you're not able to do that, then someone will bring it to you. Just raise your hand. We'll make sure you have it. Uh, but our call to worship is from Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Let us worship God together. Indeed. The 
works in us to powerfully say He frees our hearts to live His grace. Go tell of His goodness. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Oh, sing hallelujah. Join the chorus. Sing with the redeemed. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Christ is risen. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not, do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the other linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Let's stand and sing.
of the accounts, we want to take some time to pray together this morning. A few requests to make you aware of. Uh, there was one name that I was not able to mention this morning of someone who desperately wanted to be here today but is unable to because of illness. Uh, Kathy Lutz uh, had been planning on uh, joining with us today, uh, but she's uh, not been feeling well. I don't know that she's officially been diagnosed, but her doctor thinks she may have COVID, so please uh, be in prayer for Kathy at this time. Uh, also, we want to continue to pray for Joanne Mueller's father. Uh, he um, had been released from the hospital on Thursday, but had to go back in and is there now. Uh, but hopefully we are praying that uh, he will be released today. And so uh, Joanne and Dave asked that we certainly pray to that end and for his ongoing uh, strengthening and healing of his body. Also, uh, Wednesday will be a very exciting day in the Rohrer household as they have a, an important uh, video uh, meeting with uh, the judge down in Florida, hopefully to finalize the adoption. And so they ask that we be in prayer for them as they uh, hopefully have this last uh, hurdle to get over. And then uh, uh, young Caleb will officially uh, be uh, a Rohrer, and uh, we uh, praise God for that. But please be in prayer for Mike and Peggy Lynn, and also that things go well just uh, te technology-wise and with the judge as they uh, go through these last few steps uh, to finalize uh, Caleb's adoption. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the great privilege that it is to be able to gather together as those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus our Lord. Thank you for the truth of the resurrection, Lord. I thank you for uh, the, the many important reminders that Dave gave us this morning during the, uh, the early service outside. And uh, Lord, we thank you for the joy that is ours in you. As we continue in worship, Lord, we are mindful that as we live in this 
sin-stained world, Lord, we encounter trials of various kinds, and uh, Lord, we turn to you, uh, Lord, in each of these situations, seeking your help and your strength. Lord, we pray for Kathy this morning, asking, Lord, that you would touch her body and heal her. Uh, Lord, uh, if this is indeed COVID, we pray that it would be mild and uh, Lord, if, if not, if, it, if it's something else, Lord, that uh, it would be clear as uh, she meets with her doctors and as she uh, deals with uh, whatever needs to be done, Lord, that uh, you would be at work. Lord, we pray that you would uh, increase her joy in you during this trial, and Lord, that you would bring her back to us uh, healthy and safely soon. Uh, Lord, we continue to pray for Joanne Mueller's father, and Lord, we ask that this day, this, this wonderful day where he is not able to be with family and to be with his church family for worship, Lord, we pray that you would uh, just give him great joy today. Help him, Lord, to uh, rest in the reality of the resurrection uh, and be a light where you have him, uh, even at the hospital today. Lord, we pray that if it be your will, you would allow him to come home today and, uh, Lord, that his recovery would continue to go well. And Lord, that your hand would be upon him uh, in a way that is obvious to all who know him and are caring for him. And Lord, we pray you'd be with Mike and Peggy Lynn uh, this week, especially on Wednesday as they uh, prepare for this last meeting with uh, the judge. Uh, Lord, we pray uh, from a technological standpoint, Lord, that everything would work well with uh, uh, the video chat and everything that's involved there. Lord, we pray that... Uh, uh, you would open the judge's eyes to see uh, the, uh, the great situation that you have placed Caleb in with a family that loves him and wants to care well for him. And Lord, that uh, things would be wrapped up once and for all this week as we anticipate celebrating together your faithfulness in their lives. Lord, as we continue in worship Lord, there are some among us this morning who worship you with joy and sadness, whether it be due to uh, the loss uh, of someone we love or other burdens that we are facing in this life. Lord, we need the reminder of the hope that is found in the resurrection of our Lord. I pray, Lord, for those that, that are struggling today, that your hand would be upon them. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes to behold the wonderful truths from your word as we read about the resurrection of Christ, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, and even as we go forth from this place, Lord, that you would help us to fix our eyes upon you. May we all draw near to you in faith today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In John chapter 20, verses 1 through 10, we left off with Simon Peter and John in the tomb and then returning back to their homes, not yet understanding and remembering that the Lord had told them that he would indeed rise from the dead. But in verses 11 
through 18, we see that Mary Magdalene stayed behind. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Let's stand and sing. Yeah. 
Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village, to where they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening. And the day is now, far, is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened this, to us the scriptures? And they rose at the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Let's stand. Your grace. 
Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 19. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, 
as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Let us pray. Father, on this most joyous of days as we celebrate our Lord's triumph over death, pray that you would grant us a holy moment in your word. Lord, you know the weakness of the one who stands before your people. So in that weakness, reveal your strength, I pray. Lord, I ask that you would give my brothers and sisters a sensitive heart to the work your spirit would do within us. And that every Christian here would be built up in their faith. And for any who have yet to believe, Lord, that in the good news and the resurrection of Christ, you would draw them to yourself in faith. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Hard day for me. Um, so you multitaskers out there who can listen and pray at the same time. Please do so. As we 
consider uh, a passage that we looked at years ago and are coming back to again here on this Resurrection Sunday. It's important that we have a, a good idea of the context. Some of that is revealed here actually in what I read, which is why I read all the way through uh, verse 19. We see that there were some in the church of Corinth, and if you were here for our study it was of, uh, of First and Second Corinthians, we learned a lot about the Corinthians, and most of it as it relates to the church itself was not all that great. They, they, they were not what you would consider uh, the most spiritually mature body of believers. There were factions that existed. And let's be honest, they were like every other church that's ever existed that's full of sinful people. Hey, like us. Now, they were probably a bit more dysfunctional than most, but there are important lessons to be learned. And in this passage, we see one of the problems that the church was dealing with. There were some in the church, probably the very same people who had welcomed in the false teachers that had come in and were leading the church astray. There were some that did not believe the promise that believers will one day be raised from the dead. And that's what Paul is writing about here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He, he's addressing our resurrection from the dead. But in doing so, he points us to the reason that we can be sure that it's a done deal. The day will come when our bodies are raised from the dead by our Savior. And that's great news. It's great news. We, we, we saw that a couple of weeks ago from the Gospel of John, did we not? Jesus speaking to the religious leaders saying, listen, not only do I have the power to give eternal life, I also have the power to judge all mankind. And so in dealing with this problem in the church of, of those who were believing a doctrine that, that was false, that there is no resurrection for believers or, or for anyone for that matter, Paul takes the church and us to the beginning. What is of most importance, of a First importance, as Paul puts it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In fact, we see that, 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 that the message that, that Paul is communicating to them, the gospel that he is reminding uh, them of, is of what he says of first importance, verses 1 through 8. Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Now, as I read those verses to you, 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 you could easily see that, that several sermons could be preached just from verses 1 through 8. 
verses 1 through 8. But my goal this morning is, is to impress upon you the importance of the gospel with special emphasis on the importance of the resurrection of Jesus. Believe it or not, the resurrection of our Lord is often a stumbling block for people when it comes to true faith. And I find that very interesting that some people are willing to concede the virgin birth. They're willing to concede the miracles that Jesus performed. But when it comes to his bodily resurrection from the dead, it's a bridge too far for some people. Brothers and sisters, we must come to understand and embrace the fact that the resurrection is as essential to the gospel as the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for our sins. Paul lays this out clearly in this passage, does he not? 1 Corinthians is one of several letters the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. A church that had many struggles, a church that was in danger of being overcome by the influence of the society that it was existed in. We should take note. Paul writes to address sin within the church. There were factions in the church. There was immorality in the church. They were going to court and suing one another in the church. And all of these threatened to undermine the credibility of the witness of the church. And Paul warns against the dangers of, 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 sexual, then of sexual immorality and then teaches on the importance of the sanctity of sex within marriage. He teaches on how the gifts of the Spirit fit within the life of the church. He teaches on who should lead within the church. He teaches on the importance of the Lord's Supper and a whole lot more. And the Corinthians were confused on all of these things. 1 Corinthians is a loving rebuke to a church that is desperately in need of guidance. And in 1 Corinthians, we find Paul giving that guidance to the church. And by the time we get here to chapter 15, Paul is wrapping it all up. And this is how he does it. By calling the church back to what he refers to as the matter that is of first importance. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is of first importance because the gospel is the foundation for everything else in the Christian life. And in verses 1 and 2, Paul reminds the Corinthians that obedience and faith are essential responses to the gospel. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. In verses 1 and 2, Paul reminds his readers that what they believe is important. We must get the gospel right. The true gospel is the only firm foundation for a genuine Christian life. There were false gospels in Paul's day, just as there are false gospels in our day. And Paul makes it clear that true believers must cling to what is true. Well, how do we know what is true? Glad you asked. 
Paul answers this question in verses 3 and 4 by reminding us that the true gospel is of first importance and it's a gospel that we find in the Word of God. It says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Now, these verses are not a comprehensive explanation of the gospel. It's a summation. But, and clearly present within this summation is, is the heart of the gospel. Paul writes that the gospel is of first importance. First importance em- emphasizes the, the primary, foundational nature of the gospel. Not only do we start with the gospel in order to be restored to God... We remain there because what we receive in it is what sustains us for the rest of our lives. In the gospel, from Christ, we receive forgiveness. We are reconciled to God. We receive a new nature. We receive a righteousness that is not our own. All of these things are essential in order for us to truly be saved. So the gospel, getting the gospel right, is foundational. And and as we mature spiritually, we should become more and more aware of how desperately we still need what Jesus has provided for us in the gospel. We, we find ourselves coming back to it time and again. Why? Let's be honest. Because we sin time and again. We are weak in our faith time and again. And the call of, uh, of, of Scripture and of God on our lives is for us to, to go back time and again and reflect upon what Christ has done. How can we grow in our faith? How can we overcome in this life? By going back to what Christ has done and reminding ourselves and strengthening ourselves with the knowledge that in Him, in His faithfulness, in His sacrifice for our sins... We are made right in the sight of God. It's not through our own efforts. Those come as evidence of our faith. But we are not working to earn anything from God. We are responding to what God has done through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we never graduate from the school of the cross, brothers and sisters. It is essential in our growth If we were building a house, we understand that the foundation must be laid properly in order for everything else to to stand as it should. If the foundation is poor, it's only a matter of time before the rest of the house becomes a serious problem. And this is true of our faith as well. Our understanding of the gospel is the foundation upon which our Christian life is built. And it's also the foundation on which our faith is to grow. And in presenting the the heart of the gospel, Paul makes it clear that the gospel he proclaimed was not a gospel of his own invention, but it was one that he had received, and it was in line with the teaching of Scripture. 
Paul doesn't come up with his own message. He delivers what he also received because his role as an apostle and as a Christian wasn't to be new. It wasn't to be innovative, but it was to be faithful to pass on the good news of salvation in Christ. And brothers and sisters, this has not changed. The most important thing that we have to offer this world is the gospel with which we have been entrusted. It is of first importance for us as well. Did you realize that, Christian? Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. We, we refer the, to the Friday before Resurrection Sunday as Good Friday because it was on that day that Jesus bore the punishment that our sins deserved. It was on the cross where Jesus bore both the physical and the spiritual punishment that our sins, every way we have broken God's law and every failure to do what is right, he, he bore the punishment those sins deserved. In one sacrifice, we, both, we, we see both the seriousness of sin and also the love of God displayed for his people in giving his life, Jesus paid the debt that we owed. Hebrews 9.22 reminds us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus fulfilled God's law perfectly and then shed his blood for us. Jesus did not die for your self-esteem. He did not give his life so that all your material needs would be met. He didn't die to spare you from the troubles that, that accompany this life in a fallen world. Jesus died to restore you to God. You who once hated God. You who through your wicked choices revealed your treasonous desire to be king of your own universe. You could do nothing to deserve the forgiveness he provides. And in the greatest act of love ever displayed, Jesus died for the sins of people who would never be worthy of such a sacrifice. But he gave himself anyway. Think about that. We were his enemies. Our greatest concern was not with what pleased a holy God, but what felt great to us. How can I get ahead? Me, me, my, my, I, I. That, that, that's our worldview. But Christ came and bore the wrath that we deserve. Psalm 113 paints the picture of a of, of, of mighty God who, who sits above the heavens, stooping low, stooping low to, 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 to meet the needs of an undeserving people. And that's exactly what he did in Christ. And Paul reminds us that all of this was according to the scriptures. Isaiah 53, verses 2 through 11 come to mind. He, 
the Messiah, what was despised and rejected by men, a, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for, this genera- and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off from out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. It was not a good Friday for Jesus, brothers and sisters. He literally bore the wrath of God so that you and I could be declared righteous in the sight of God. It's good for us, those who believe. It's it's great for us. So so Good Friday is an appropriate name, but but let's not cheapen what Christ has done by, by somehow, which is easy to do, pass over the stuff we already know about the crucifixion. Oh yeah, Jesus died. But then he rose again. Yes, Jesus died. God poured out his wrath upon him. Why? So that you would not have to bear it. So that you, you could be brought into his family. You would be numbered among the sons and daughters who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Paul continues that he was buried. And it's interesting that Paul mentions the burial of Jesus, but but in doing so, it reminds us that Jesus truly died as a result of what he had experienced on the cross. I just read Isaiah 53, where God, speaking through the prophet, is so specific that he points out that the Messiah would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Matthew 27, verses 57 through 60 reveal that this is exactly what happened with Jesus. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. 
He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it should be given to him. So Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean, clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Jesus died, he was buried, and then Paul continues that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. I mentioned before that the resurrection of Jesus is essential to the gospel. In Romans chapter 4, verse 25, it tells us that Jesus was delivered up to death on the cross for our trespasses, our sins, the, the ways we have broken God's law. But it also tells us that Jesus was raised for our justification. In defeating death, Jesus proves that the sacrifice made for our sins satisfied God's demands. In his resurrection, we have the, insur the assurance that we have been made righteous in God's sight. Now remember, there were some in Corinth who had denied the resurrection. So in verses 5-8, through eight, Paul gives a list of the people who saw the risen Lord. There's proof, Paul says. So that Jesus was raised in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. If you guys like to watch the courtroom dramas... Witnesses always play a role, do they not? Witnesses come forward, and what do they do? They testify to what they've seen and heard. And Paul says, listen, you have questions about the resurrection of Jesus? Here's a list of people. One group of, of, of over 500 people who saw the resurrected Lord. Now, there's something we often don't consider in the church, and that's the fact that 1 Corinthians was actually written before the Gospels. So, so the resurrection of Jesus is not just something that the Gospel writers threw in and began to disseminate to Christ's followers and to the churches. No, the resurrection was what well, well, was a known fact and a believed fact that, 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 that was a part of what, what the church taught and believed from the very beginning. The witnesses to the resurrection of Christ were plentiful. And so Paul says, hey, listen, Corinthians, you don't believe me? Here's a list of folks you can talk to. If you don't think one of the 12 or, or really one of the 11 is enough, go find one of these 500 brothers who saw him with their own eyes. And Paul says, yes, Jesus even appeared to me later. And we know that's when he was on the road to Damascus, actually going to persecute the church. Listen, 12 people could testify to something. Be easy to get 12 people to collude, right? Happens all the time. But hundreds of people is a much 
different story. And we can celebrate with great confidence this morning, brothers and sisters, the resurrection of our Lord. Because in his overcoming death, we are assured that our sins are forgiven and we have been restored to God. Brothers and sisters, the gospel is of a first importance because the events described in the Bible concerning the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, they are historical facts. These are things that actually happen. We aren't worshiping a fairy tale or how we wish things had been. The gospel is a firm foundation for our lives because it is the truth. And those who believe it are redeemed, we're forgiven, we are restored to God. So brothers and sisters, is the gospel of first importance in your understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ? Perhaps you, like I, often struggle to keep it there, especially in the midst of grief or trials. The antidote to these lapses in our faith and when our foundation seems to be crumbling is to go back And revisit the truth. Christ died so that we could be restored to God. If that is where your faith is this morning, understand that no matter how weak or may, how strong your faith may be on a given day, that because of Christ's faithfulness and because of the resurrection, you can be assured of the fact that you are His. You can't keep yourself saved any more than you can get yourself saved. It is the finished work of Christ that we respond to in faith. And so when you are weak, allow His gospel to make you strong. Like Paul, brothers and sisters, we must also remember that the message that we've been entrusted with to, 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 to tell others about is a message that we've received. It is not for us to, to change or to water down, but to lovingly declare to the world. And may God strengthen us all to be faithful witnesses to the life, death, and yes, the resurrection of Jesus our Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. This day when we are reminded of and celebrating your triumph over death and the proof that all who trust you 
are now righteous in the sight of God. We will not be condemned for our sins and failures, but we have been received as sons and daughters. And we thank you because we recognize that as something that we could never earn or deserve. So as we celebrate who you are and what you have done, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our faith. And I ask this in Jesus' name. I mentioned before, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper a little bit differently uh, today. And what we're going to do is by row, just invite you to come forward, come to the inside of uh, to the main aisle here. If you're seated to my left, you're going to come to this table. And what you will find there is going to be two cups inside of one another. The bottom cup will have the bread. The top cup will have the juice. Uh, there's really not a graceful way to get the bread out, so you probably should just do like you're in the hospital taking a pill with the cup. Just throw it back. And um, these are the days that we live in, and we long for the days when we can pass the plate around and, and, and celebrate you in your seats and not having to come up to get the elements. But uh, it is just as honoring to the Lord that we celebrate this way because this is what we're called to do as a church, which is to faithfully proclaim his death and resurrection until he comes again. And so Tim's going to come forward, and we will be at each table. If you are not able to come forward, just raise your hand up, and we will bring, bring the cup to you.
I received from the Lord what I also delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, Jesus took the cup after, cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's stand and worship God together.
will hold me fast. Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raised with him to endless life. He will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned to sight. When he comes at these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do, you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Brothers and sisters, just as the original disciples were called to be his witnesses, so too are we. He is risen. Let's go tell the world. We are dismissed.